All right, let's get the word of understanding as we begin the study. If you're coming for the first time, you probably have this magazine in your hand. Just open to page four. That's where you have it. If you don't know it by heart, it's a declaration. It's a declaration. We use it to stir up our spirit. Paul wrote to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you. The gift of God needs to be stirred up. Sometimes the gift of God lies dormant because we have not stirred it up. The other time I talked about husbands and wives and I explained that a husband is supposed to, a wife and a husband too, supposed to stir up the gift of God that's upon the man. The ability to lead, you have to stir it up. You stir it up. The ability to lead, you stir it up. Sometimes people have the ability to lead because an anointing, to marry is an anointing. Once you, once a woman says to you, yes, I do, you automatically confer with the grace of God to be a leader. It's true, but you need to stir it up. In the same manner, you have the spirit of understanding. As a child of God, that spirit is inside you, but you need to stir it up. One of the ways you stir up things like that is what you say with your mouth. That's how we do it when we begin to study God's word. So let's start today again by stirring up our spirit of understanding, by declaring as follows. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 This word, this evening, will enter your heart. Amen. As you have spoken, so is your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. It will give you light and direction. Amen. What that means is that you make things clear to you. You will make decisions and you will know this is the will of God. Amen. Yes, not like I'm just feeling you will know this is the right thing to do. You will know this is the way to go. That's what this word will do for you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. If, if you climb this place up this evening, you climbed up to this place with confusion in your heart. This is what we are declaring. By the time you are living today, there will be no more confusion. Amen. That word will have given you light. Amen. That word will have given you direction. Amen. That word will heal you in every area. Amen. By this word coming in, you know people used to come to Jesus to hear and be healed. I hope you are following that. For hearing this evening, you will be healed. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And listen, everything in you does not like Christ Jesus. Impatience, envy, anger, unforgiveness. You know, there are people that are still waiting to be rich, so as to prove to that girl that I refused to marry them that she was wrong. <laughs> Move on with your life. Are you getting my point? You don't owe her anything. Whether she was wrong or right. In fact, she was right. Let's not be discussed whether she was. Are you the only man in the world? Get away, you. What is it in? Uh-uh. Must everybody agree to marry you? Don't you know your wife was picked by God? Are you getting my point? The guy just allowed you to go and fulfill your destiny. You are getting angry. And there's no need. Unforgiveness, as the word comes into your heart today, it dissolves away in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for the ministration of the Spirit again today. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Please sit down while you are doing that. Greet somebody on your left and your right. Are person? Wisdom. God's wisdom is your portion. That makes you very wise. The Lord is good. I want to ask you a question. Now, don't answer me. You know, write it down. The answer down, and look at it later. That is this very is this a spiritual answer? 
if the Lord appeared to you like he did to Solomon and says, ask me for one thing I will do for you. Have you ever thought about what you will ask, ask him for? Just think about it. Write it down and then go and look at it. That is it really right? Am I going to ask him for something he said will be added to me freely? Are you getting my point? It's just an assignment. Just go and do that. Because I had that discussion. My wife and I had that discussion. Was it yesterday? Yesterday. Yes. And I thought about every Christian should do that. And I don't mean that do for somebody else. Remember when I ask, okay, okay, like not what you want him to do for somebody else. But me, if you had to do something for you personally, what would you ask him for? Just think about it. All right, the Lord is good. Let's open our Bibles. Zechariah chapter 9. I just feel like reading a long portion, even though I want just one verse. But I want us to read the word of God. It's nice. Zechariah chapter 9. Are you there? If you are there, say amen. amen. All right, please. Um, let's start from verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He is just and endowed with salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt. The foul. How do you pronounce that word? The foal. Very funny. Even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He said in verse 10, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. That represents northern Israel. That is Israel as a nation. And the horse from Jerusalem, representing southern Israel. That is Judah. And the bow of war will be cut off. And it will speak peace to the nations. And its dominion will be from sea to sea. And from the river to the ends of the earth. Now, here it was discussing... Um, calamity that has occurred and the promise of redemption that will come to pass. Now, I want us to read verse 11. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. And now, said in verse 12, return to the stronghold, O prisoners who have the hope. Now, notice that. Return to the stronghold, O prisoners who have the hope. This very day, I am declaring that I will restore double to you. For I will bend Judah as my bow, and I will fill the bow with Ephraim. And I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece. And I will make you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. And the Lord God will blow the trumpet. And we march in the storm winds of the south. He said, the Lord of hosts will defend them. And they will devour and trample on the sling stones. And they will drink and be boisterous with, the, with wine. And they will be filled like a sacrificial basin, drenched like the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God will save them in that day as a flock of his people. For they are as the stones of a crown. Sparkling in his land. For what comeliness and beauty will be theirs? Grain will make the young men flourish, and new wine the virgins. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Like I said to you earlier, I just wanted to read that whole thing, even though where I want really is verse 12. 
just to emphasize to us again, I like that verse 12 in, in the New Living Translation, which says, come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I just want to talk about that again. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. Now, my emphasis there is the fact that they said there are prisoners that have hope, and there are prisoners, of course, therefore, by implication, that do not have. I'd like to emphasize to us again, that's what I just had on my mind the whole of today when I was thinking about this evening, what to share with the people of God. And that is the fact that, please, I've said this, I don't know how many times, but you've heard it so many times from my mouth, you've been listening to me for some time, that life is a battle. Do you follow my point? What did I say? Life is a battle. What is going to occur in life will be a result of how people fought their battles. That is the first point. Life is a battle. Two is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle that when we fight it rightly, we will find the results eventually. It's a spiritual battle. It is not a physical battle. That's number two. Number three point I need to make again is that people often are not aware of when the battle is being fought, where it is being fought, and especially the weapons being used. That's one problem. People often don't know the weapons being used for this battle that we are talking about. They, now listen to me. What you see physically, the Bible says that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith we understand. I said it last time, without faith you have no understanding. Without faith you are guessing. Did you hear what I said? Without faith, what are you doing? Guessing. You're guessing. You're guessing. That's the fact about it. Without faith, you are just guessing. Now, this is another thing about that's very dangerous. You will not realize you are guessing. You will think you are sure. You will just assume you know what you are saying. You will assume you know what you are talking about. But you are guessing. Because you think that things that you see came out of things that are visible. For that reason, you start guessing. Scientists also guess. Many of the things they tell you is guesswork. I'm telling you the truth. Because, you see, they think they know. The more I've studied science, the more I've started believing the word of God. You know, some people give the impression that if you have faith because you've not studied science. But for me, it's the other way around. <laughs> the more I study science, the more I believe God's word. I see people just dabbling around in guesswork. They will tell you, you know, please, I, I'm sorry, I'm not attacking exercise, you know. I believe in exercising. Are you getting my point? I believe in it, you know, because it's in the Bible. Physical exercise does what? Ha, has little profit. It has it. The profit is very little in two dimensions. We know there are two dimensions for the life that now is and life that is to come. So in, for, for, for physical exercise, the profit is little for two reasons. One, it does not apply to the life that is to come. It only applies to what? The life that now is. Now, this is where I'm going. Even in the life that now is, the advantage is overrated. The Bible says it has little profit, even in the life that now is. It doesn't make you live long. It's a lie. There are things I, don't, I just don't believe. Listen, they said that uh, sitting is what is killing you. Have you heard that one? That sitting down is not a disease. Oh, you've not heard that? 
Sitting down is not a disease. That whether you exercise or not is irrelevant as long as you sit. That the longer you sit, the more dangerous your life is. That sitting is the new smoking. You've not heard that one? Yeah, sitting is now the new smoking. Now, what that means is that the effect that cigarette smoking has is now being replaced, the negative effect, by people who sit down for too long. So they now start devising offices that don't have chairs. Oh, you've not seen, ah, where have you been? Things are happening, no. So they are doing experiments. You come to work, your computer is on the high table. This is how you type. You walk throughout the day. You move around the office. Say, don't sit down. If you sit down, you will die. <laughs> hmm. I'm a very skeptical person when I read one of those things. And you'll sit down and start, you know, they start showing you the statistics. And statistics can lie. I gave an example here last time. You remember that one? That somebody released statistics from a laboratory in Lagos that showed that more than half I think it says 70%. I can't remember the exact figure, but more than half of children tested DNA testing. DNA testing showed that their purported fathers are not the true fathers. Listen, statistical fact in the lab in Lagos. And I felt very bad when I read it. And every person reads that they're not going around looking at everybody. Say, you sure you know your papa so? It's just looking at everybody. And nobody is sure who's whose father. Meanwhile, the statistics should have been rewritten to say the whole truth. That lab only tested people whose paternity was already in dispute. It didn't test the average man and his wife in their house. It tested those who were already fighting. People who they are working no streets, using Nigerian English. A man is denying a pregnancy. Are you getting my point? He's already denying. Or the woman is putting it to the man. You are not the father. Those are the ones that the, the whole family now gathered themselves and went to the lab. And they found out that indeed, in those cases, more than half, those men they thought were the fathers were not the true fathers. Are you getting my point? Statistics can be made to say anything. I'm going somewhere. So, just people don't know where the battle is being fought. And they are being handed wrong weapons all the time. Because they don't know where the battles, the battle is being fought or how it is being fought. They will think they are stating facts. They don't know that they just donated their mouths and their spirits and their capacity for faith to the enemy. This is our facts, okay? That's why I never listen to all those facts that fly around. Not because I like to be blind, but because I don't want it to confuse me. This one, not. This one, not. This one, not. This one, not. Have you seen that kind of thing? I don't care. So this is how you sit down there, and this will be happening. This is how I've been sitting down there for a long time, and nothing has happened. I don't, because I know people can confuse me with their facts. Meanwhile, their facts make no meaning because they don't have faith. By faith, you understand. They don't have faith, so they don't have understanding. I was talking about science. Science does one interesting thing. People don't know. If you, look, you see? See these people running up and down, up around square, because they want to live long. Go and tell them that Pastor Banky said that you stop wasting your time. That this running up and down will not help you live long. If you want to run up and down, it's good. In case something is missing, you are chasing it. Ronaldo ran up and down. He's very rich. Chasing a round ball. What's the name of the other guy? The ones we sent home. 
Mercy ran up and down. Running up and down is good. Hussein Bolt was running everywhere. Running is good. It will make you money. But it will not prolong your life. That's what I'm trying to explain. It's good for stamina. The other day I was coming from Abuja. Uh, so when it was time to go and board, you know, after we checked in, yeah, go, go and board. Was it boarding time? Oh, anyway, just go, okay, we're going to the waiting area, yes, <laughs> in Abuja Airport. If you know the, the, the um, domestic. So you got to the ground floor. One man entered the lift. <laughs> I enjoyed myself that day. He thought I would join him. I just looked at him. We were going the same direction. I just turned to the stairs. And by the time I reached upstairs, he was just coming out of the lift. I said, see, he didn't save time. But I like, why I do that? I do that a lot. Early, I do that a lot. Unless I'm tired. Or I can't find, you know, there are some hotels. You don't know where their lift is. You have to be asking people, where's your lift? And, sorry. You don't know where the staircase is. You start asking, where's the staircase? Otherwise, I like, if the staircase is beside the lift, I always take the staircase. Well, I like to get some exercise. I like to have some stamina. You understand? It's good. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not emphasizing that it's good. But it doesn't cross my mind that it prolong my life. In fact, if I try to do that, thinking to prolong my life, you know what God will do? He will break my leg. He said, the Lord instructed me with a mighty hand, with a strong arm. And he says, don't fear what these people fear. That one, I'm very sure of it. If I look to anything that is sense of long life, I'm looking for trouble. Now, there was one example I gave you that day. <laughs> one day. That was before we went to Niger. The night before that, the day before, I wanted to eat in the morning. So I took honey, you know honey, pure natural honey. I wanted to put in my, my tea. As before I put it in, you know, I actually paused and turned to the Lord. <laughs> I'm serious. I just looked up like this in prayer. I said, Lord, it tastes nice. That's why I want to use it. It's not for the health benefit. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I turned it to prayer. I said, Lord, it tastes nice. That's why I'm doing this. It's not for the health benefit, though. All this... How many of you have heard of Hallelujah Diet? If you have heard of it, say amen. Oh, yes. I have one, one of my sisters, she, she does Hallelujah Diet. So enter me and her talking. I tell her it's the doctrine of demons. I tell her it's the doctrine of demons. Why do you call it doctrine of demons? Because you use the name Hallelujah. It's an insult to the Holy Spirit. There is no, the Hallelujah Diet is anything said before you that you have received with thanksgiving. A confused man shouldn't teach me a diet and put the name of the Lord on it. It's blasphemy. Taking the name of the Lord my God in vain. Third commandment, you are breaking the spirit of it. As per calling the doctrine of demons, it is not me. It's the Red Prince that did that. The Red Prince said all these things are doctrines of demons. He said there was a time he believed some of them. <laughs> he said, I drank carrot juice until I turned yellow. <laughs> Like a white man, so he could turn yellow. He said, you know what he said? He said, I'm not joking. I drank carrot juice until I turned yellow. <laughs> the whole system was stained with the pigment in carrots. He says, doctrines of demons. Now I'm going somewhere with all of these things. The science keeps on giving us all of these statistics. People don't know that there are a lot of times they are wrongly interpreted. Once I stumbled on two different studies presented. People send me the videos. And let me say something to you about science. What they are not looking for, they don't find. I don't know whether I get it. Let me explain it. What they are not looking for, they don't find. Every study tends to have a study objective. For example, we want to check how long people will exercise and those who don't live. 
Now, you will find out. If you read BBC News, all right? I read BBC News. So I, I subscribe to the health segment of it. I read because, because of my natural profession. So I, I catch up with all of the news, things that are going on there. You see confusion. Recently, they found out that air hostesses have a higher incidence of cancers. They will find out that those who sleep on the left tend to have a day the, the, during full moon. Now, that didn't happen. Just as an example. They will, by the time you start finding out the number of things they find out, you start wondering, how does life make sense? And this is a fact. You will always find something if you are looking for something. And what they say is significant. When you see the way they derive at the significance, you will be confused. After I will just believe the formula. I'm bringing out something here. What they are not looking for, they don't find. So in those who eat moi moi and those who don't eat moi moi, more, they can study those who will live longer. You know, that those who eat moi moi live longer than those who don't eat. They will not publish it. Long life may be derived from the eating of moi moi. They will not, they will forget to tell you that only those who are happy eat moi moi. You know why? They did not look for it. I don't know whether you're catching what I'm not explaining here. So for many of the things you believe in life, all right, what's happened over the time is that they were derived from studies based on the assumption that what determines whether you live long or live short is what you eat and how you exercise. Now, because of that, you will find out, they will always tell you that this makes you live longer, this makes you live shorter. Because that's what they are looking for. They've never settled down to study scriptures. For example, God says, honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long in the land that the Lord thy God has given you. Are you getting my point? They have never studied it, so nobody ties it. It has never been studied, scientifically. If they settled down and decided to find out whether those who honor their father, you understand my point, and those who don't honor their father, how long do they live? You will have found that the word of God is true. You will have found one man who smokes, who drinks, who does not exercise, who sits a lot, except that the man is 95. And you ask him, why are you living this long? They will go and check his cells to check his DNA, whether he has a longevity gene. What they would not know is that the man honored his father, honored his mother. All his father ever gave him was a blessing. All his mother ever gave him was a blessing. They will not realize that twice he has escaped tanker fires. Things you cannot exercise for. My wife was giving me a story. I don't know where many of you know the story of this Lagos tanker fire. A woman that was saved because the taxi driver just went crazy. You know, you, you hire a taxi. Take me somewhere. And the taxi man saw corn. Say, my dad, I want to buy corn. You hire the taxi. You know, you think it's a joke. <laughs> Except that the man parked and waited for them to roast the corn. The corn was not ready. <laughs> Make a long story short. That was how she missed the explosion. How do you exercise yourself into that car? Please, how do you do that? I told of our sister here, who those days went back to Enenugu, who took a bike to enter a bus. The bike man blew past the bus she wanted to enter. He refused to stop. But then the man stopped, stopped. The man didn't hear. You know, for a moment, you wonder whether you're being kidnapped. Then the man went and stopped somewhere else and began to apologize. The bus she missed ran into a tanker in front of her in Lokoja and burnt everybody, and she watched it happen. 
She came back and told me, Pastor, hear testimonial. Life is spiritual. Running around Okwara Square does not add anything to your spiritual value. Pump iron physically, your most do increase in prayer. I hope you know that. Bench press 200 kg is your problem. When you want to pray, God doesn't notice that your muscles are big. Say, Father, I'm the name. Okay, maybe you can go and join. <laughs> you join Patrick Amo those days. If I, if I see him pray, they grab the devil like this. Gee, hey, oh. <coughs> That's what they You've not seen it before. I first it's easy. The first day I saw it, I didn't know whether to laugh or not to laugh. Brother will grab the devil in an arm lock. <laughs> that is, and they are praying, no. One of my friends, I don't know whether he went there or he, somebody told him about it. People were praying in church. Right now, we're going to shoot the devil. They were shooting and running back. You know, when you, when you watch too many films, you know how to do some things. A lot is good. No matter physical exercise you do, it does not affect anything spiritually. That's the point I'm trying to make. So you see all those things, they don't study them. So they now give us wrong statistics. They give us what looks like facts. They interpret them without faith. And they expect us to walk by them and Christians carry them on their heads. They don't realize that as a matter of fact, they have missed where the battle is being fought and the weapons that are being used. For that reason, they donate the real weapons to the enemy. So a man, his father is calling him. He said, I need to go and jog. He doesn't answer his father. So he dishonors his father to go and exercise so he can live long. I don't know whether you're getting my point. His mother needs money. He uses the money to buy exercise equipment so he can live long. He makes the word of God of no effect by his wrong belief in scientific facts. I'm giving you the words of the Lord Jesus there. He said, what I could have helped my parents with, it has been donated to the gym. Why? Because if I exercise, I will live long. That's the different kinds of exercise regimen and dietary regimen. When the Bible says, who is it that loves, loves long life? Who wants to live long that he may see good? What should he do? Keep his mouth from speaking deceit, speaking evil. He said, pursue... Where is it? Let's read it together. I think we should quote that one properly, so I don't quote it wrongly. Let's read Psalm 34. Let's read from verse 12. He said, who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? He said, keep your tongue from evil. And your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's God's <laughs> prescription for long life. It does not include go to Aquara Square. It does not include join a gym. It does not include stop sitting down. It does not include use honey. Don't use sugar. Have you heard of those lies? People take their food every day. They curse the food. This food, you will kill me. You will damage my liver. Damage my liver. Damage my kidney. Why? The farmer used pesticide. 
This is organic food. You know, America, you know, both people there, eh? when they, you know, when you're full, you come up with all kinds of ideas. People not eat only organic. Guess what? They still die. They still die. As man wouldn't chop organic, they die. And the man would not chop organic, they die. Now, so man would chop organic, they die. Because death is not the organ, is not in the organicity of your food or the organism of your food. Thank you. Thank you for that English. One of my friends told me, he said, Vanky, said, my sister's children are malnourished. He said, can you believe that? They are in America and they are malnourished. I said, what happened? He said, because their mother insists they need, they need to eat organic. So they don't eat enough. Because organic is very expensive. No, really. You want to eat, you know, see this uh, okuko that runs up and down. All this fowl that we have running up and down at the backyard of the house. The egg is now gold. If you can go to America, start a farm. Get to rural Texas where you can buy a massive ranch for $50,000. Just get African chicken, make it run up and down for backyard. Just give it corn in the morning to you. Let them, you know the way they dig. Then when they when they lay eggs, you now put the egg, now call it organically farmed eggs. If the other eggs are a crate, maybe six dollars, you will be a crate twenty four dollars, and some confused people will buy it. They not come to see those of us in the village, whether we are living forever, and we eat organically every day. Those in our villages, they live forever. Believe me, when you see some diseases they bring out of the villages, you start wondering that, is there a special cause in that place? Because I've not seen this one in the city. Yet everything they eat is organic. They drink organic palm wine. <laughs> organic, or everything is, you mean, everything is fresh. But believe me, they, they, they die also. They die too. They fall sick. Like every other person. Because the evil of the city man is with them also. Now, what am I saying of these things? Let's understand the battle we are fighting. Last time I talked about the war, the, what, what did I say? The warrior's perspective, yes. I talked about last week. That's what I'm continuing on now. Let's understand the battle we are fighting. They present facts to us. The concept that they confuse us with the facts, then we neglect what is important. On Saturday, I hope to talk about, you know, how to prepare for your future financially. Divine prescription. You will see that it's nothing, it's nothing like the world tells us. Save 10%. Invest 10%. If you're a Christian, give 10%. You know those kind of things that they try and arrange for you? Nonsense. You know what Jesus said? If you want to prepare for your financial future, he said, be faithful in that which belongs to somebody else. That's all he said. Do you know that is God's prescription for your financial future? Make sure that when the money is not your own, be so accountable like your life depends on it. Make sure that your boss does not want you to go because you are making him rich. He said, when you are faithful in that way belongs to another person, then I will give you your own. You can't save your way into it. Listen, either we are Christians, or we are not. When we are Christians, we must follow it. The problem is that God hardly finds people who are fully yielded to him. They listen to him 10%. They are titers. They tithe their time. They tithe what they believe. They tithe how they think. 
So 10% divine thinking, 90% worldly thinking. God will have given you a portion. That is the problem with the doctrine of tithing. They tithe everything. They tithe their time. 10% to listen to divine news, 90% to read some newspaper. 90% to listen to those who are confusing their minds. 10% of the time to read Isaiah chapter 53 and Psalm 34. 90% to buy jogging magazine. 90% did the gym, pump iron, run up and down like the devil, to and fro. Yes. Why? They have given God 10% of their faith. And of course, same thing with their money. And God brings 100,000. Say, God, take your portion. And please, mind your business. Spend your portion. Let me spend my portion. So whatever I do with my portion is my business. I have given God his portion. He should be content with 10%. It doesn't cross our minds that every dime belongs to him. We have to be accountable to him for how we spend every single cobble. That's the problem with Christianity. They tight everything. You, you understand what I mean by, by that? They don't follow him fully. No, they don't follow him fully. They don't. The man of God died once. Somebody said, I heard he used to eat a lot of eggs. I said, excuse me. It's a man of God that died. Eggs don't kill preachers. Eggs don't kill saints of God. It is disobedience to God that kills. Unless God said, that shall not eat egg. If he didn't say so, eat it and prosper. And I see, I hope you know. Finally, three years ago, they told us that all the things they told us for 30 years about eating eggs and getting too much cholesterol, they said, we are sorry, it is not true. I hope you are aware of that. WHO has now said it. Yeah, somebody was asking me, hey, a man of God chop egg, he die. How can a man of God chop egg and he die? One day, one man of God died, I was talking to another preacher. I said, what happened? They said, they didn't buy him a new car. The church people were wicked. They didn't buy him a new car. So the old car had an accident. Well, let's say this guy. Are you sure you're a preacher? No. <laughs> you want to hear somebody by the head. You forget that death is an appointment. And so Saul died because of the trespass he committed against the Lord. Even though physically we know how he died. Who will entice Ahab? So he might go to Ramos Gilead. So he might fall there. And the man who killed Ahab killed him by chance. He, didn't, he never knew. He didn't enter his record as a man who killed the king of Israel. Because if you've seen all these old-time warfare films, you see, archers shoot, you know, they just shoot. You can have like, you have a lineup. Archers ready, 500 of them in a row. Maybe a few rows. They aim into the sky at an angle and shoot. So you find 500 arrows descending on the enemies at the time. If you ever saw this film, beautiful film, 300. Those guys said, they, they, what they call it, they are invading people, the Persians. The Persians said that we will blot out the sun with our arrows. And those guys said we will fight in the shade. And what they meant, if you see that at the point in time, when they released their arrows, literally it was like a cloud. That was what killed Ahab. One of those archers shot at random. But the Bible says to us clearly, God decided that today, Micaiah told him, said, put him in the prison until I return victorious. Micaiah said, unless God is not alive. You? I'm seeing your corpse. I can't even see you. All I'm seeing is dead body. 
dead man walking. I'm not emphasizing towards people of God. Let's understand where our battle is. I'm going somewhere. You know, I've not even, I've not, I, I was going to start my message. I'm introducing it. If you laugh at me, you. I'm introducing the message. We read from that Zechariah chapter 9. Say, return to the stronghold, O prisoners who have the hope. Or like New Living Translation says, who still have hope. And I want you to understand something here. That is a spiritual weapon, hope. Hope is a spiritual weapon. Hope is not desire. Hope is expectation based on evidence. So what the world, what Satan tries to do, and God has allowed that to him, what he tries to do is to steal hope from you. And a man cannot come to you and say, lose hope, lose hope, lose hope, lose hope. Time to lose hope. Ah, Pastor Kemote, he doesn't want to lose hope. Lose hope. They don't do that. You know how they take away hope from you? They bring you all, what, um, uh, what Donald Trump would call alternative facts. They don't just come to you and say lose hope. Facts are presented. Recently, they said Amer- Nigeria now has the highest number of people living below the poverty line. One of our brothers said to me, he said, please, sir, don't mind them. He said, obviously, they've never been to India. He said, obviously, they've never been to India. India has over a billion people. They have more people living below poverty line than the whole of Nigerian population. That's not a joke. The whole of Nigerian population. You know the funny thing? Forget this lie about who is living below the poverty line. Those days when I was in Lagos, once we were having a discussion, one of my colleagues said, this is very annoying. Can you imagine? Our monthly salary is only $70. I said, excuse me, madam. It was a woman. I said, excuse me, madam. Sorry. I don't earn $70. I earn 6,000 naira. Converting it was $70. $70 something dollars that time. I said, but you see, I don't earn $70. Because what I can do with my 6,000 naira, an American with $70 in his hand can't do it. It's 6,000 naira. I agree. Those days. You know, we just had residency in Lagos that time in Luz. It's 6,000 naira. We agree. I said, but with 6,000 naira, I will eat the whole month. With 6,000 naira, I will give my younger brother something. With 6,000 naira, I actually could pay some boys who washed my clothes. And it was still 6,000 naira. I said, nobody, any $70 in America can do that. Yes, I didn't have a car. My apartment was bare. I had one 15-inch color television. That is all. Nothing else. That is true, I know. But I was not any $70. Today, was it yesterday or today? Yes, today. I actually read something on BBC on how, I think somewhere in California, earning a family of four, earning $120,000 a year is now, listen to this, $120,000 thereabouts a year. If you're a family of four, earning $120,000 in parts of California, you now qualify for government support on housing because you are considered too poor. Did you hear that? Now you are considered too poor in that part. So that was why it was a BBC report. So it was not a discussion. Can you see what I'm trying to say? That brother told me, he said, oh God, don't mind them. That you know why they are telling us that we have the highest number of people living below the poverty line? He said, because they need to make us unhappy with our country so we can all run to Canada where they need us. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said, that, he said these people are not honest people. 
They need you. Listen, you are so, when it, when black people are being addressed in the world, Nigerians have the highest number of skilled labor. I hope you know it's a matter of fact. That they afforded it around when I received it. You may have seen it when Strive Masiwa talked about the true wealth of the nation. He said he talked about oil. He said that's not the wealth of the nation. He said he discovered the wealth of Nigeria when he came to come and start a connect wireless Nigeria. He said, he said, look, we need engineers. Let's employ some technicians, engineers, and all of that to help us with some stuff. So he said, he told the guys, put out an advert in the newspapers. He came to work next day. He saw a massive pile. He said, these were from locally trained engineers and foreign trained engineers, people with telecom experience from all over the world, Nigerians who wanted to come back home. So he told his people, please. All right, all right. These are the, that the these are, that, those are the applications. They said, yes, it's all right, please. Eh? Can you try and sort them out? We don't want all these jokers. We want the real qualified people. They said, sir, these are the sorted ones. <laughs> he said, what? He said, these are the sorted ones. The ones that you sort out, they didn't make it here. All those that didn't have, you know, maybe let's just try. He said, no, those who didn't have the full qualification, we remove them before you came. He said, what? He said, okay, 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 you know what you do? Let's ha- add some additional qualification. Maybe you have an MBA, these years of experience and all of that, you know, <laughs> or some other networking qualification stuff. He said, add it to it, please. Let's use it to sort them again. So he left. Next day he came back. He saw another massive pile. They said, sir, we have done everything you said. This is what is remaining. And the man looked and said, who said oil was it? The, I mean, what do you call it? The, the wealth of Nigeria. He said, no, these people don't need oil. He said, the human capital is too much. And believe me, everybody all over the world knows it. And they want it. So they first tell you, your country is not good. Take our visa. So a joke. They said that if a white man brings slave ship now, that if a white man brings slave ship, people are going to rush into it. One man said, I will bring my chain. So they won't say chain, don't finish. <laughs> Can you see how hope has been removed from people? <laughs> Listen, Christians, it's the real battle we are talking about. We are dealing with the real battle. Yet when you said the other statistics, it's frightening. I told you 25,000 people were murdered in Mexico in 2017. One of the elections I held last week, 121, over 120 politicians were killed. People don't talk about that. America has an average of one mass shooting every day. They tell you the number that Boko Haram has killed. They didn't tell you how many people overdosed in the United States on drugs. It's more than Boko Haram can ever imagine they will kill. In the same period, Chicago has over 300 murders every year. Nobody tells you about that. They don't talk about it. People talk about SARS. That's our police, SARS in Nigeria. <laughs> One brother said, look, forget. The American police are worse than Nigerian SARS. They shoot you. If you sneeze too loud, you get fired. You get shot. One of our brothers, when he was going abroad to do an MBA program, once, one, one, another person, a man told him, a man has been around the world. He said, I hope you are not going to, you want to join the American system. He said, because if that's what you are trying to do, your MBA won't help you. He said, because with your MBA, a man who will get the job will have just one qualification. Say, I'm white. Say, you come with your Harvard MBA. Another guy will get the job for one simple reason. He's white. 
By the man I'm talking about, he's been all over the world. He said, forget that thing. He said, I hope you're not trying to go to America. Better stay in your house. <laughs> but listen, hope. That's what I'm talking about. Hope gets stolen away from people. People don't come to you and say, lose hope, lose hope. No. They present. You know, I started my discussion by explaining to you, facts can be twisted anyway. They present facts to you. They present facts to you. They present facts to just take your hope away. And people don't realize that they are losing a battle. It's a spiritual battle you are losing. Because that's why the battle is being fought. The battle is not being fought physically. Boko Haram is not our major fight. Headsmen are not the major fight of Nigeria. Not even armed robbers or kidnappers. The main fight is with the believers. In whether they will hold on to their faith and their hope or they will not. That's why I said everything I said up to this point. For you to bear that in mind. That is your fight though. And listen to me. By faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. This is the point about it. What we see physically was spiritually determined. He said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So when he says the words were framed by the word of God, he was saying the word was framed by a spiritual substance. That what you see physically is spiritually determined. What am I saying? When you lose hope, you die physically. You fail physically. The loss of hope rearranges physical things so as to take away the ability to succeed from you. It affects the environment. It affects how things around respond to you. It affects whether you are lucky or you are not. I want believers to understand it. That is why I don't talk to people who are master hope takers away. You know, is that, that, that is it now? Anyway, <laughs> master hope takers. Let's leave it like that. Those who wake up every day and tell me what is wrong. Who have the ability to paint wrong pictures for me. Like I say all the time, if I die in the process, please don't ever forget to write on my tombstone. Here lies a man who died believing God. Because faith is what creates. I hold on to my hope. It creates something around. It does. It does. It does. It does. It does. And they say, return to your stronghold. Go back to where I have placed you. That's what God will say. Stop running up and down. People take away your hope. I, look, I believe it's a prophetic word. Listen to me. Any Christian that's running up and down because of fear or this or the other, the very thing he's running away from is what he will meet where he's running to. That is what the Bible has taught us over time. I was reading Luke the other day, you know, when Jesus was saying that whosoever we love his life, so that's the one who will lose it. He said, but the one who will, how did he say it again, give up his life for my sake, he emphasized for my sake, is the one that will find it for my sake. Now, what does that mean? That when I'm making decisions in life, I must never make a life-preserving decision. I don't know whether you're getting my point. My decisions must not be based on how to preserve my life, prosperity, give me a future. No. It must be based upon an understanding of the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be based upon the understanding that Jesus controls my life and I will be held accountable for everything that I did. That's the meaning of that scripture. Jesus said that everybody should do what? Take up their cross and do what? And follow me. To take up your cross doesn't mean to be looking sad. Doesn't mean to hang a big cross around your neck. So people actually do that literally. They just buy a big cross, put it around their neck, take up their cross. That's not what it means. 
to take up your cross simply means that sometimes, seven, I've said before, seven Jesus is not a joke. It means you will literally <laughs> make decisions simply because Jesus is Lord over your life. Is where God keeps us, where safety is found. What does it mean to take up your cross? It means to make decisions every day. Knowing that one day you will give account of your life to somebody. Sometimes it will hurt you. Sometimes you will lose money. Your friends will build houses, buy cars, travel over the world, and you will not be able to do it. And God will allow Satan to remind you of it every day. And your mother will be the chief campaigner for the devil. And your father won't say anything, but he agrees with your mother 100%. But it's too, he respects himself too much to be discussing such things with you. For that reason, every time you call him, all he says is, how are you? You say, fine. You say, good. And he hangs the phone back to your mother. <laughs> Listen, people of God, we are soldiers of Christ Jesus. We endure hardship. Sometimes, many times, they will slap us on the right cheek. We will turn the left. Do you know why? Because, listen, we are actually using our spiritual weapons. That's what I'm trying to make. That's why I'm trying to emphasize all of these things. The one I'm talking about mostly today is a matter of hope. Don't let anybody take hope away from you with nonsense news. Is that painting the light to you that your country has the highest number of people living below the poverty line. Tell them, come and be a beggar in Enugu, you will build a house. I hope you know it's not a lie. I'm not talking about Lagos beggars, those ones are richer than Enugu beggars. (laughs) Come and beg. You beg here into prosperity. Somebody come and be deceiving you. Stealing hope from you. But even what if it is true? It's simple. It just means you have work to do. It only means you have work to do. The other day I told him, I was telling one of our sisters, she said something happened, she was discouraged. I told her, listen, I, w- I was also almost discouraged, but there was one thing, the, the same thing that was supposed to discourage me, that was supposed to discourage me, also presented my assignment before my face. And listen to me, life becomes frustrating and really discouraging when you have nothing to do in life. When you have nothing to live for, nothing to, to, to be striving to solve, when you hear that Angelina Jolie went to Somalia to be distributing food, you think that's a love for people that need food? It's not that a love for people that need food. It's out of confusion of heart. There is no good but God. If God is not in your life, listen to me. There is no goodness you can achieve. There's no goodness you will even want to do. Many people that you think they are doing good, they are frustrated. They have nothing else to do. I don't know whether it was Ravi Zacharias that I was listening to. Or David Post, one of the two of them, who are describing protests. When you hear there are protests going on here, protests is going on here. He said most people protesting, they don't believe in the thing they are protesting about. They only believe in protest. I don't know whether I get that. They just believe in what? Protest. Why do they believe in protest? There's nothing else to do. So they just wake up in the morning, what happened? He said, he said this one man, he rushed somewhere one day, and the protest was over. So he said, ah, you guys finished without me. You finished without me. You finished without me. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you call me? He said, anyway, what was it about? <laughs> Do you get my point? He had finished complaining about the fact that he did not participate in the protest. 
before he asked them, what was the true protest about? When Paul was being harassed in Ephesus because he scattered the trade on, of the silversmiths, the Bible tells us clearly, most people were shouting, they don't know what they were shouting about. They just saw a shout, they joined the shout. So if I in life, people are looking for something to drive them. And that's how God made us. So when we presented things that are supposed to be discouraging, I said, it shows to me there's work to do. It shows to me there's work to do. One thing Pastor said that, that time, that day, that I would like to repeat. When we were talking about prayer. <laughs> when, we, when we were talking that day, I just realized that, okay, we're having a discussion. Whether you were there that time, that look, people say, the church, we have prayed enough. Suddenly I say, wow, that's the fulfillment of scripture. No wonder Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to what? Faint. We have not prayed enough. We have become weary of pay, praying. Are you getting my point? When someone is asking that we have prayed enough, what he's saying is that I have gotten what? Tired. And I'm happy here we've been saying it for a long time that Jesus warned us that it will happen. That's why he said men ought always to pray and not get tired of praying. Anytime you hear Christians say to you we have prayed enough, tell the person Apparently, you have gotten tired. And they still hope from people. That's what happens. People start relocating to all kinds of strange places. They will tell you that, ah, <laughs> let me carry my chain. And they do that every time you know that. Because they, I don't believe there's any adult in Nigeria that does not know what's going on when you're trying to cross the Mediterranean Sea. I'm sorry, I don't have the ability to feel sorry for anybody. They will tell me that uh, 50 people drowned today. You know, the, those, those people, is it the Italians and the, mostly the Italians, and those people, they are always picking dead bodies. Their job is to find people stranded. Some of those people, smugglers, they put a dead boat there. Once they collect your money, they put you on the dead boat, drive the boat to the rest of the sea, jump back to the middle of the sea, jump back into the sea, swim away. As far as I can say, they have transported you to where Italian coast guard will find you. And many people drown in that process. And we read it every day. And an adult will still get up, sell his father's land, to pay traffickers. Do you know why? His hope has been removed. That same money is used to pay traffickers. Give it to some people. In two years, they have married, they have built a house, <laughs> they, have bought, they have bought a car, started a business, and they are employing people like him. After he has been repatriated, and T.B. Joshua had dashed in 50,000. A man of God is giving money to deportees. <laughs> Why? Because people's hopes have been what? Ripped off from them. Taken away from them. And listen to me, people of God, it's a spiritual battle. Let's ask our feet. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. They, they will present lopsided data. It will show you the number of people that died on a particular road. They will not tell you the number of people that passed those roads and did not die. You know, a lot of people are flying, afraid of flying that is in an airplane. Why? They say, let the plane not crash. But cars crash every day. They are still entering. And it's a matter of fact, including Nigerian statistics, so, that the chances of dying on the way to the airport is higher than the chances of dying inside the plane. That the journey to and fro the airport is much more hazardous than being in the plane. But because the road traffic has nobody pushes in your face. What I'm going to say. So you see, data can be wrongly presented to people. And that takes away their hope. 
The point I'm making to you today is that it's a spiritual battle. Don't, don't think it's just a, how do I say it? It's just life, like uh, we're just reading paper. No. Every newspaper you pick is either helping you or killing you. There are newspapers I don't read. I don't, I don't read them. If I see that you are, you are too politically minded and all of that, I don't read because you are lying to me. You are telling lies. My classmates have a child group. I've talked about it in a number. I don't talk there anymore. Why? Because I'm, 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 I'm I don't even, they don't want, if they have, you know, this way, I wanted to leave. One guy said, please don't leave. If they say 500 messages, eh? I just scroll through like this, just scroll. There are people that if I see their name, I will pause. One, I know is always cracking jokes. You know, there are people that are always cracking jokes. I will pause. This one, I joke. Whatever she's saying cannot be serious, so I stop and read. <laughs> there are two of them that, unfortunately, one of them is a Christian. Two of, in fact, both of them claim to be believers. I don't read what they write. Once I see their name, I push, I just scroll past. What are you going to tell me? All they ever see is what went wrong. They were amplified to me. And they don't know what is going on right. Let me say this to you as a matter of fact. There's more good happening around you than bad things. There is, in your life, there's more good happening than bad. Around you in this country, they, no, just think about it. Listen, I don't know about you, but I have been, I mean, I left school 26, 27 years ago, yes. 27 years ago. So I've been an adult for quite a while. They've been telling me doom, doom, bad, bad, evil, evil, concerning Nigeria since. Since that, since 20 something years ago till today, you can't compare the Nigeria of today to the one of that time. Every major city I visited in Nigeria, including the one I live in, has only doubled in size. They, all those cities, look, if you have one to tell me that major Nigerian cities, they have better roads today than they had that time. We have stronger banks today than we had that time. You may not believe it. Do you know we have better governors today than we had that time? Whether you like it or not, good things are happening around you. That's the point I'm making about all of these things. Whether you like it or not, good things are happening. Now, the one you want to see is the one you will see. So I want you to pray. Say, Lord, I'd lay hold of hope. I will not focus on what is negative. It's a simple prayer. That's how you pray. You need to fight for your destiny like that. That's what I'm talking about. Say, Lord, I will not let go of my hope. Talk to the Lord. Things are fighting me every day, trying to take away my hope. I won't let it go. I won't let it go. Goodness and mercy will follow me. I declare, Father, before you, I say, in the name of Jesus, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Say, Lord, I return to where you have kept me. That's what you need to pray about. So that I will not run because people are taking away my hope. No. Say, Lord, I will not run to where you have not sent me. That's an important prayer. Say, Lord, I will not run to where you have not sent me. In the name of Jesus, I will not run to where you have not sent me because I'm looking for security. Declare, say, Lord, I recognize that safety is of the Lord. That's what we need to pray about this evening. Lay hold of hope. Don't let it go. Hope does not come from desire. Hope comes from the word of God. What has the word of God said to you? He said, no good thing will live withhold from me. What has the word of God said to me? Said to you. He said, behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. 
Say, Lord, it will flow towards me. I will not go around running for it, looking for it. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Lord, I lay hold of hope. I declare that goodness will happen to me. Good has come to me because I'm in Christ Jesus. Say, the Lord will restore double to me in this land. Wherever he keeps me there, he will restore double to me. Say, Lord, my eyes are lifted to you. I expect my good from your hand, not from the environment. Not from the east, nor the west. And not from the south does exaltation come. He said, but God is judge. You are the one that is lifting me up. My lifting is from you, Lord. I declare it today. I will not let go of my hope. What is hope? Hope is expectation based on the evidence. What is the evidence? The word of God. What does the word say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word says, do I walk the valley of the shadow of death? I will not fear any evil, for the Lord is with me. Declare, say, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. Help is with me. Good is coming to me. God is making all grace abound towards me. I will have all sufficiency in all things. And I will abound to every good work. Health is my portion. Health is my portion. Long life and prosperity. God delights in my prosperity. He said, the Lord delights in the prosperity of his servant. I will serve the Lord. He will bless my bread and my water. My focus is on him. Some trust in chariots. Others trust in horses. But we trust in the name of our God. And he will command good towards us. In all that we do, we will prosper. Ah, Say, I am the light of this world. I am the salt of this earth. That's what Jesus has spoken concerning me. That's what he said. Wherever I go, I bring forth light. Wherever I go, the salt of God affects that environment. I am not a beggar. I am a giver. I'm a blessing to my environment. I am not a beggar. I am a giver. The circumstances around don't control me. God will make all grace abound towards me. Say, you need to declare that. I will have all sufficiency in all things. In the name of Jesus Christ. Safety, my safety is of the Lord. Uh, He has commanded good towards me. Oh, you need to declare the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I fear no evil for the Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Uh, you need to declare that he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. I will not run away from any enemy. I will not run away from economic hardship. I will not. In the presence of hardship, he will prepare a table before me. A feast of fat things, rich feast he has prepared for me. 
say to say, Satan, I will not follow you. You will not scare me. You will not scare me. The land is fruitful for me. He said to Isaac, don't run to Egypt. Dwell in the land. And Isaac dwelt in that land. He sowed in that land. The same year he reaped a hundredfold. Declare, say, I will sow my seed and I will reap a hundredfold. And I will become rich. Why? The blessing of God is with me. The blessing of God is with me. My blessings are spiritually determined. My blessings are spiritually determined. They are not games of chance. They don't come to me by chance. They come because God ordained them for me. Yes, they come because the Lord ordains them for me. Say, in the midst of troubles, he will deliver me. You need to declare that. Trouble will not scare me. Because in the midst of trouble, the Lord will deliver me. The Lord will deliver me. The Lord will deliver me. Even in the midst of troubles, he will deliver me. That is what builds hope. The word of God. Say to the Lord, say, Lord, I declare that you are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God and in you I trust. You deliver me from the snare of the trapper. You deliver me from the deadly pestilence. You will cover me with your feathers, Lord. Under your wings I seek refuge. Declare it. I will not be afraid of the terror by day. Or the arrow that flies by night. Declare it. I will not be afraid of the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand. But it shall not approach me. It will not approach me. He said, I have made the Lord my refuge. Declare that to the Lord. Say, Lord, I have made you my refuge. I have made you my refuge. Oh, most high, you are my dwelling place. No evil will befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling place. The Lord will give his angel a charge concerning me. They will guard me in all my ways. The news of negative things will not scare me. I focus on the deliverance of the Lord. Death is not an accident. Death is not an accident, it's an appointment. It is well with me as I go out, as I come in. Because the Lord has given his angels charge concerning me. And they will guard me in all my ways. They are mighty in strength. They will bear me up in their hands. So that I will not strike my foot against a stone. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent I will trample down. Every adversary is small in my presence. Because the Lord God is with me. Jesus is my Lord. I live for him. I live for him. Oh, this is what the Lord says concerning me. Because I have loved him, he will deliver me. You need to declare that. Say, I love the Lord, he will deliver me. This is the word of the Lord in my life. The Lord says, I will set you up securely on high. Because you have known my name. You will call upon me in the time of trouble and I will answer you. 
I will be with you in the time of trouble. I will rescue you and I will honor you. With a long life, I will satisfy you and let you see my salvation. That is the word of God for you. Ah, claim it. Say, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. Long life is my portion. Divine health is my portion. Divine abundance is my portion. In the name of Jesus, wherever I am, God, God in heaven, who gives the power to get wealth, he will make prosperity flow towards me there like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Fear will not drive me up and down. Fear will not drive me up and down. Fear will not drive me up and down. In the name of Jesus, I stand secure in him. I stand secure in him. I stand secure in him. I stand secure in Christ Jesus. I stand secure in Christ Jesus. (laughs) I stand secure in him. It is well with me. It is well with everything that is mine. The Lord will perfect everything that concerns me. You know one thing that there, uh, I think it was David Posner or the Prince that said it. He said the cure for the small fears is the big fear. Those that fear God, they don't fear any other thing. That's a matter of fact. Listen, what does it mean to fear God? It means to just hold on to Him totally, realizing that every decision you make in your life, you have to be accountable before Him. The attorneys will make you look at. They tell God, you know, you can't protect. Let me look for protection somewhere else. You say, okay, go. Therefore, you have cause to run. That's a matter of fact. Listen, what does it mean to fear God? Let me tell you something about being a Christian. I like the B.F. Kumi statement that time. I never forgot it. Almost um, 15 years ago that I heard this. It's been a while. He said, fear, he said, faith takes risks. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> being a believer means that you decrease. I'm serious. It means say, look, your friends must know that something's wrong with you. Unless they have faith like you. Well, I'm talking about people that don't know the word of God must think something's wrong with you. When everybody's afraid and you're not afraid, that's what it means to walk by faith. When people are running a skelter, what will tomorrow hold? You know, I've, I've God removed that thing from me long ago. I don't know the ab- I don't have the ability to worry about tomorrow. I don't. I don't the Lord removed not look, it's not a natural tendency. Is the effect of the word of God. In fact, when I start thinking about it, it's a sin. You know that? It is a sin. When you start thinking about it, it's a sin. When you start like, hey, God, what will happen tomorrow? What is happening? What will tomorrow? This country, people say, they say, a country will break. I said, let it break if it can. She I'm standing here. Break, let me see. They'll be shouting the break for me for a very long time. The country has been afraid to break because of people like me. They were telling me to break, to break. I packed my load. I left Lagos. Crossed the Ondo State where I was born. Crossed Edo State, crossed Delta State, picked a wife on the road, and continued going. <laughs> Have you? Crossed Anambra State, I reached Enugu, and I stopped. And I sat down here. And that was 18 years ago. It has not broken till now. Go and tell everybody that wants looking for what to break. Say, Pastor Banky has released the word that you will be broken. If you look like you want to break anything, we will break you with the word of God. 
I like when the pastor Corey said, he said, Buari, he said, are you not ashamed of yourself? A whole Christian, he has said, Buari is your problem. Shame, you should be ashamed. When you get home, say today, Lord, as a son of repentance, I sleep under the bed. <laughs> say, for all the times that I said Buari was our problem, Lord, for this night, it's a sign of repentance. I know you are forgiving me, but I want to tell myself that I repented. He lie down, roll under the bed. And stay there, thank you. And stay there. It's called repentance with sackcloth and ashes. How can one man be your problem? Like he said, I, I like, he said you can't, you're not even ashamed of yourself. One man whose breath is in his nostrils, who we kept alive by prayer. I told you, this is, look, what I, if you didn't hear before, I will tell you. That time he was sick. We're praying for him here, and many people were praying in different places. One of our sisters in their church, very prophetic church, they had a vision, and they showed that the church was firing arrows at this man. His back was full of arrows fired by, from a, a, a building shaped like a church. In the vision, that interpreted it, you understand, as the church, the church of God. But some people came out and began to pull arrows from his back. And the Lord turned to them and kind of told, told them, well done, good and faithful servants, something like that. And that was the time the man recovered. Listen, listen, listen. The man that, if, if we, I don't know how to say it. His breath is in his nostrils. How can it be the problem? Do you think Pharaoh was the problem of the church? Of Israel at that time? Was there the problem? God said, listen, <laughs> I have kept him there. I will harden his heart. Why? I want to show my glory in him. Let's play with this guy small. He said, this was why I raised him up. God raised him up to that throne. He was not a problem. God was the one that raised him up to that throne. And when God was done, he ended him and delivered his people with a mighty hand. If God is not delivering people, they should ask themselves why. He says, the hand of the Lord too shortened that they cannot deliver. Look, before we go, let's do something. Let's declare again. Because I told you it's a spiritual battle. Let's receive, oh, I, don't, I wanted to go into the but for time's sake, we'll stop here. But you have to sow faith in your environment. The country needs you to sow faith in it. When I first came to Enugu that time, we used to prophesy over the land all the time. I, remember, I still remember when we sat in one corner here, when they were walking, partitioning this place and all of that, my wife and I. We had a picture of it, I don't know where that picture went. But my father and I sat here one day and we prayed. He said, Lord, we said from here, Father, that this gospel will reach the ends of the earth. I won't lie to you. I didn't know it would happen so fast, though. I didn't know. I didn't know. We started preaching here. I don't know how we just came up with the idea of website. I didn't know people were going to that website. Who sent them there? I don't know. Then one day, one woman came and said, Pastor Banky, I'm starting to the television station. I wanted to be on it. That's how we first went on TV. Then one day I got a call from Kenya. One of my, well, some of the people I knew from school called me, saw me on TV. Ah. Then went on radio. Right now, we are pushing up north. Where are we towards the north now? Yeah, we have gotten as far as Kaduna. We are in Kefi, we did there. Makodi, we did there. Lokoja, we did there. Give me another one, that middle belt there. Bida, we did there. Broadcasting the word of God. Every, some of them three times a week, some of them twice a week, some once a week. And we are, we are pushing up. We are pushing up. I'm waiting for a door to open in, in, in uh, what they call it, 
Clayton State just will put it there. Until the when I know say uh-huh, is when we are in as Meduguri, UB, all those places. And we start translating to house I, I say Yowa. Yowa. Are you getting my point? They will now push it. We're already eyeing all the Kenyas and Ghanas and Malawis, you know, we're eyeing all those places. That day my wife and I sat here. We just talked to the Lord about it. What am I going to say? You know, you, me, we have a duty to sow faith everywhere. Let nobody lie to you. Say, hey, that's how they attend that time. Hey, you know, people are going running abroad to go and buy houses. Those who bought houses in Enugu made more money from it. Land, you know, where I live now, land used to be 300,000 naira, 500,000 naira, now it's 20 million. If you had bought that time there. But faith won't let, faithlessness will not let, they, they won't let them buy. But whether you make money from it or not, you must put your money in the land. You are saying to God that this land, you will redeem it. Amen. That's what you are saying. Listen, we are the hope of Nigeria. That's what I'm talking about. It's the church that's the hope. We will not give our weapons to our enemy. How would you like to be like this? You are in your house. You have a double-barreled gun. One thief comes. He says, help me hold this one. Let me go and lock the back door. Does it make sense? The thief has entered your house. Yeah, and you want to lock the door, so you give, give the thief the gun. Please hold it for me. I'm coming. Does it make sense? You're in battlefront. Your enemies are on one side. They say their bullets are finished. You say, no, not get bullet again. Ah, I'm my brother's keeper. I beg. You find me bullet. Me, I give my enemies. Who, who does that? Who does that? But you know what we do every day? They will force something towards Christians. We'll be the ones, say, you see? We will not be spreading this around. So when they don't promote them in the office, they come to church, prayer point. Everywhere you're supposed to occupy, that somebody's occupying, in the name of Jesus, road clear. You see, you don't know that. The guy is, you know, is angry. Brethren, we are the salt of the earth. We sow faith into the land. Nobody can take a land God has not given him. And if God has given somebody the land, protest from now till tomorrow, he will still take it. It's a matter of time. Think like a believer. Listen to me. What you will do as a Christian, when they send anything to you that's divisive, that's hope removing, not only refuse to forward it, delete it because in your bad mood, one day you will forward it. We are the ones to sow faith in the land. Let's begin to sow faith in this country. That's saying by saying, Lord, you are the ruler. That's the first thing. Say, Lord, you are the ruler. Nobody else is the ruler. Begin to declare. Say, Lord, you are the ruler. You reign in the affairs of man. Lord, you are the ruler. You reign in the affairs of this country. Lord, we declare you the ruler. Lord, we declare you the ruler. From Bono State to Sokoto State, you are the ruler. Down to the south, you are the ruler. From Lagos to Cross River, you are the ruler. Every state in between, you are the ruler. Every corner, you are the Lord. Say, Jesus, you are Lord. Repeat that. I want us to repeat that thing at least seven times. Say, over every inch of Nigeria, Jesus, you are Lord. Count it on your fingers. In fact, repeat after me. Say, Lord, over every inch of Nigeria, Jesus is Lord. Over every inch of this country, Jesus is Lord. We are saying it seven times. Say, over every inch of this country, Jesus is Lord. One more time, Jesus is Lord. One more time, Jesus is Lord. One more time, Jesus is Lord. Say, over every state, every local government, 
every council, every, council, every, street, every street, every house, every, house, every, room, every room, we declare, we declare as the Lord givers of God in Nigeria. Remember, we said the church does not mean church building or denomination. It means the lawmakers. As God's lawmakers. As the Senate of God. Say, we declare, we declare Jesus, is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He appoints rulers. He, appoints he gives them their terms. He, he removes them when he's tired. Jesus is Lord. APC is not Lord. PDP is not Lord. No political party is Lord. Say it again. Jesus is Lord. He is the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is Lord. Nobody else is Lord. Say we declare it. His Lordship will be made manifest. And every eye will see it. Listen, let's not use our mouth to spoil it by talking as if PDP is Lord and APC is Lord and Buhari is Lord or Sibajo is Lord or Jagaban is Lord. For Latino, they are not Lords. They are instruments in God's hands. They, do you know any one of them that raises his shoulder and says, we are the ones deciding God will kill him. If God decides that, okay, let me not kill him, he will make him so politically relevant, he wouldn't believe himself. They won't even stop in his house to greet him. That's what God does all the time. Once you raise your shoulder, say that, see, we are the ones in power. Is this not Babylon the great which I built with the strength of my might for the glory of my majesty? Jesus said, yeah. What am I life? Herod opened his mouth and he was talking. They said, ah, this is not a man talking. This is God talking. Eh? God said, kill him. Eat him. All the worms say, what else are we doing here? <laughs> and we Christians shouldn't behave like we don't understand these things. Let's declare again. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Upon the president. Upon the president. It is your work. It is your work. Give us one that will bless us. Give us one that will bless us. The one that will execute your will. The one that will execute your will. It is yours to do. It is yours to do. That's it. Nobody else can do 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 it. There was a message I recommended. I hope many people have collected it by now. The Red Prince. You will see stories inside there. When God wanted to turn the tide of the Second World War, they appointed a man to come and command the, 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 the legion there. And God said no. As the man was landing, his plane turned over, knocked him out, broke his neck, and he died. And without consulting this time around, single-handedly, Winston Churchill appointed the replacement. Bernard Montgomery sent the man there and the man did the will of God. Before the final battle of El Alamein, man gathered everybody said, let us pray. Let's... Now this was a military general, a general of the British army, the son of a minister of the gospel, a true born again Christian himself. And he said, let us ask the Lord of hosts to give us victory in this battle. They were going to fight Rommel, one of Hitler's toughest generals. They had their army, but they didn't trust in it. They joined their hands and said, let us pray. Let's ask God for victory. And God gave them victory. He rules in the affairs of man. He's a ruler. I understand that he doesn't... Now, this is a prophetic word. He said, right now, I'm not dividing this country. 
every divider, I will divide. And I understand the reason why. Listen, the reason is that he has to claim every inch of the country. He has to have ministers crisscrossing, going anywhere he wants them to go at any time without any hindrance. But listen to me, he will grant us peace. You know why he grants peace? You know the most important reason he grants peace? I'll tell you. Because we simply ask him for it. Because we simply ask him for it. We don't, we don't give his power to Islam, uh, to uh, headsmen. As a headsmen, the reason why we don't have peace. The reason why we don't have peace is that he has not given it. So if he does, if we don't have it, you know what we do? We ask him for it. One of the reasons why it's important we ask is that we are doing that to, re- we are saying to him, we recognize where the power is. Let's bless this nation again. Say, Lord, grant peace. It's simple. Say, Lord, grant peace. Lord, grant peace. In the name of Jesus. So that we can live in peace and do your will for our lives. So we can live in peace and advance the gospel in every corner. Lord, grant prosperity. Grant increase. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say, prosperity is our portion. Because the Lord has granted it. We are the salt of the earth. The Lord has granted this. Now say this in the name of Jesus. The government of Nigeria We make the right policies that will cause every sector to progress. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say it again. Say in the name of Jesus. The government of the Federal Republic of Nigeria We make the right policies that will cause every sector of this economy to progress in the name of Jesus. Say wisdom is their portion. The Lord will compel them to have wisdom. The Lord will send Joseph. The Lord will send Daniel. Men with such spirits. Women with such spirits. They will go out there and they will execute the blessing of God. Now say this, and my eyes will see it. Personalize that. Say, my eyes will see it. And my children will enjoy it. Say, I will sow in this land. And in the same year, I will reap a hundredfold. In the same year, I will reap a hundredfold. In the same year, I will reap a hundredfold. I will go forward. I will become richer. And I will become very rich. And I will do the will of God. Without running up and down. You know what you are doing? It's called sowing faith. It's called sowing faith. It's called sowing faith. We are sowing faith. Commit your mouth again. Say in the name of Jesus. This mouth only speaks the will of God. This mouth is a sower of faith. You know the sower went forth to sow. You know? Yes. Say I'm a sower. I sow, faith. I sow faith. I don't sow unbelief. I don't sow unbelief. Those, who Those who hear me, they are encouraged. They are encouraged. My, words My words minister. They are seasoned with salt. They are seasoned with salt. You know, recently I told my wife, that was about last week we were talking about it at home. I said, baby, right now, even if I won't joke, I must even be more careful than before. You know, sometimes I joke with people. You know, many of you may have done it to you. I just pick your phone and say, which kind of rubbish phone are you using? I do think that that was in a while. So one day I was in the office. We were having a seminar. So one guy is a consultant in UNT. They sat beside me. So I picked his phone. 
I said, you're a big man. Let me see the phone you are using. I said, I said, ah, he said no, sir. This is a good one. Now, I'm, I'm going somewhere. He said, no, no. He said, I've listened to all the things you have said. He said, a few years ago, you told me this, you told me this. He said, ever since that time, you know, I couldn't remember the discussions. He said, you remember the time you won me against buying Tukumbo tires? He said, since that time, okay, I've been buying only brand new tires. And you're very correct. And he kept on going on and on. He said, you have helped me a lot, sir. You have helped me a lot. I just smiled and smiled. I went to my same wife and said, yeah, from now on, anything that's not serious, I know they talk again. I didn't realize people were listening to me that much. I thought it's only when I mount the pulpit. This guy has never come to hear me preach. He may have heard me preach on radio or something, but to sit down where I'm preaching, I'm not aware. He was just, he was, he used to be my student. There was a resident doctor around me. Now he's a consultant. And he said, sir, you have helped me a lot. Hey, that's my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, after that day, I became afraid. And I'm telling you today, your mouth must minister grace. That's what the Bible says. You must never be one to discourage people. It's a wrong seed. People think seed is when you bring out money. Come to the off front right now. You will say to God, this is my seed. Forget that one. Your pastor define money. The truth is that your actions, the advice you give people is seed. It is seed. When you tell somebody, they say, oh boy, this country, I don't know where it's going. Better go and have your baby or brother. You know, so that you have it in the future. You have just sown evil into your own life. Not into their lives, though. You have taken away somebody's faith. You know, one day, I, when I got to Sokoto, and I saw, I saw Chioma there, and uh, what's the name of the other, Chioma, are you around? Oh, she's not around. What's the name of the other lady? I got to Sokoto, I saw Linda and Chioma. And both of them left Enugu. I told myself, I said, Kai, what's that powerful? If, I was, if they were in a church, where every Sunday, pastor said, let us pray against impunity. No, they won't go anywhere. That's true. I said, what's the One day, Linda, I, Linda called me. Ah, Linda, how are you? They were in. I said, I'm in Meduguri. I said, Linda, you are where? He said, I went to Meduguri to go and submit an application. Well, she was, of course, was going to a church where the pastor said she's going to Meduguri. And I don't know. Okay, you, you, you didn't go to Sokoto. There was one young man that followed Pastor Curry doing camera. He didn't know why he said. The guy packed back too. All of them went to Meduguri. Why? Because their pastor talks faith. They were not afraid. He was going, he took his first two sons. Boys, let's go, let's go and do ministry. Church members packed back to, let's go and do ministry. They were not afraid. I hope you're getting my point. Ask yourself, what am I affecting people with? When they contact me, what do I soak into them? So after they finished talking, one woman came to church one day. Came to the church in the New time she finished preaching. She had, that is, she downloaded unbelief. Tribalism, sectarianism, partism, nepotism, apism, PDPism, claiming to be me. And I said, I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to do nepotism. Then she would teach nepotism. I don't mean to do statism. Then she would teach statism. I said, all of you better gather and sponsor a candidate. When he becomes governor, collect all the contracts. In a Christian church. And I say corruption sh- should go away. Corruption says, you are my friends. Listen to me. Ask yourself. People who contact me, what do they learn? In doing business, what are they learning? Let's pray as we close. Say, Father, I yield myself again. As a salt, ministering grace. As salt, ministering grace. Ministering grace. Those that talk to me. When husbands talk to me, they love their wives more. 
when wives talk with me, they respect their, hus- their husband. They submit more to their husband. When young men talk with me, young women talk with me, they walk in integrity. They, they, they don't love money. They don't love money anymore. They just love righteousness. When they speak with me, they have confidence. They are not afraid. They are not running to and fro, looking for security anywhere. They have confidence. When they talk with me, they have faith in God. They have faith in God. I'm a sower. 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 Declare again, say, Lord, I'm a sower. I'm a sower of the word. The sower goes forth to sow. Lord, I sow the word. I sow faith. I sow hope. I so hope. Give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Let us give him thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Ah, Lord, thank you. We are so happy. You have lifted up our spirits. We hold on to our hope. We won't let go. It is well. Amen. We give praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are blessed today, everybody. Say Amen. amen. Let's share the grace in fellowship quickly. For those coming for the first time, just open down your magazine. Go to the back page. Come back in one step. That will be page 11. All right, just go to page 11. All right, that's how we share the grace. And, okay, there are so many of you coming for the first time, so I need to say this. Give me a minute to say it. Listen, everybody must belong to a cult in this life. Belong to a group, something. Otherwise, you die suddenly. Those of us you are seeing, all of us are in a particular cult. Cult what? Yeah, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is our cult. <laughs> That's it. That's it. No, you don't, need to, you don't need to come for initiation. You can do initiation in your bedroom. Just give your life to Christ. You are there. That cult is higher than Oboni. Higher than Ekanka. Higher than Freemasons. Higher than Eye. You know those ones that fly in the West. <laughs> we are stronger than them. We are in Christ Jesus. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. Yes, we are in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. And every cult has its own sacrifices. Our sacrifice is thanksgiving. It's a communion table we share. The blood of Jesus and his flesh that we share in the communion table. And with every cult has its incantations. And our incantation is what? The word of God. And things that we say derive from the word. That's just what we do. That's how we live our life. That's how we're not afraid. I've never prayed against witches. I'm not lying. If you're a witch, try me. That's all I just say. If you can cross my gate... And my dog did not kill you. You don't even need an angel. <laughs> then you are not a witch anymore. Are you getting my point? Yeah, because we are already we are soaked. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Therefore, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what we do. That's what we do. Somebody comes to me and say, "Come and see Baba Lawa." I say, "Baba Lawa, should come and see me." No, I'm serious about that. They say, "Come and see Baba Lawa." I say, "For what?" Tell Baba Lawa if he needs deliverance, he should come. When they say, "Kneel down here." I command every fast spirit to come out. Give your life to Christ right now. Babalao will say, thank you, sir. After that, you'll be calling me a pastor. I'm a, I'm a senior Babalao. Are you getting my point? Yes, I'm a chief Dibia. If I senior Babalao, will say amen. Amen. That's what life be. It's not my fault. Though. It's just, now Jesus Christ, because I'm, the Lord is good. <laughs> Are we ready? Yes, now let's do our closing grace, which is another form of incantation. Are we ready? One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. 
This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, bless somebody beside you. Tell the person, this is your season. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. Bless somebody.